I'm Mercedes Stevenson, and this is The West Walk, politics, perspectives, and players. Tech leaders from around the world are in Toronto this week for the fifth annual Collision Tech Conference, the fastest growing conference for the industry in North America. On the agenda this week, integrating artificial intelligence in business, where to start and what to expect. Joining me now is someone who's been participating in that conference, Jody Wallace, who is the Managing Director for AI at Accenture Canada. Welcome, Jody. Thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. So how important is it right now for businesses to get up to speed and adapt to artificial intelligence? Yeah, I think it's critically important. I think uh, right now businesses are doing a lot of experimentation. They're starting to use AI um, in some of the functional areas. Um, some businesses are really capturing on the moment and uh, considering AI as a, as a strategic advantage. But in the next few years, it will really be table stakes. It will really be critically important for all organizations to have figured out how to make AI work for them and deliver the business results that they're looking for. What are some of the ways that business leaders might look at incorporating AI as a part of their business model? So it, it really has a, applicability across functional areas. The area that probably has the most penetration right now is marketing. Um, and then that would be followed by HR and uh, fraud detection. But in any area of the business, there's four different ways that AI can deliver value. The first is in terms of just customer engagement and employee engagement. So using natural language processing um, to engage differently with, with customers, as I said, or employees, and to deliver personalized service. The second is in um, anything that requires anomaly detection. So think of fraud, think of cyber threats, think of money laundering, anything where with large amounts of data we can identify things that really don't belong. The third is in um, just better predictions and better support for decision making. So one of the things that machine learning is really good at, in addition to anomaly detection and classification, is prediction. And then the fourth is really in using AI to develop new products and services, both um, sort of in the research lab, but also dynamically to configure products and services that customers really uh, want to buy. Uh, there are people who, of course, when they think about AI, feel a little bit nervous that maybe this is going to take their job or someone else's job. Right. What advice do you give to businesses on how to integrate this into the workforce without it simply replacing people? Or is that somewhat of a foregone conclusion? Well, I, it, again, AI is pretty broad. So there are certain areas of AI that, um, that do... Um, impact employee jobs. And I think it's really important for organizations to identify those areas, to get ahead of it, to figure out, um, you know, what's the best way forward for their employees. But frankly, there are other ways um, that AI can be used that don't greatly affect employees, that really just lead to better decisions, more accurate forecasting, uh, improved recommendations, and, and things that make employees' jobs easier. What are some of the ethical considerations for businesses that are trying to integrate AI into their model? So I'll take it just a little bit broader than ethics. I think there's, um, I think there's a need for organizations to look at, as they're, as they're deploying AI, to look at a responsible AI program. So when I think of a responsible AI program, I think of absolutely ethics being a part of it. 
uh, fairness or or making sure that bias isn't entering into the process, uh, transparency or explainability at least of the AI algorithms, and accountability. If we're asking the AI to make decisions, then we want to make sure that we know who is accountable ultimately for those decisions. And all of these, you know, when you put these issues on the table, um, at, at first, they may seem very daunting, but they can be addressed through a combination of, of policy, process, and even tools to help um, make sure that, that these elements are being managed on an ongoing basis. When you explain what AI can do, I thought it was interesting when you were talking about it, it can look for patterns, it can look for unintended consequences, mm -hmm. but you're also talking about it making sometimes decisions. What would be an example of using AI in the workplace, um, not only to monitor things, but to actually execute those decisions without there necessarily being a human in the loop? Yeah, and usually when it comes to decisions, it's a two-step process. So I'll give you an example um, of a, um, on a factory floor. So we worked with a client who uh, produces frozen foods and we helped them look at how to uh, use sensor data and AI algorithms to detect what kind of raw materials or what, what weight of raw materials and water content of raw materials are coming into the production line and then recommend changes to the machine settings in order to optimize yield. So the first step is really to collect the data, uh, train the models, run the models, and then have a human look at the results and say, okay, it's asking me to tweak the machine setting here or there, um, let the human decide what to do, and then monitor those results. Over time, as we get more and more confident with the results that the, or with the recommendations that the AI is driving, we'll move to a place where some of those settings will be automatically set by the machine. What do you think the growth potential is when you're looking forward in terms of the economy and AI being able to enable elements within that to move faster, more efficiently, uh, and perhaps more successfully? Well, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of economic data out there about the, the potential size of the AI market. I mean, one study that we were involved in said it will be $4.3 trillion, the AI market broadly, by uh, 2025. So, I, you know, I, I guess it's, it's pretty hard to pinpoint the exact growth numbers, but it does have tremendous potential. For someone to say, okay, I don't have machinery or I'm not big data or I'm not Facebook, mm -hmm. uh, ones that clearly we know are using artificial intelligence right now, are there some businesses that are more suited to adapting AI than others or is this something that you really think is going to infiltrate all the way from mom and pop corner stars up to the big tech corporations? Yeah, I mean, I think small businesses, uh, this might sound strange, but I think small businesses have an advantage here. Because one of the really hard things about AI is deploying it into existing operations, especially when those operations are large and complex. Um, small businesses have the advantage of being able to um, sort of start from a clean slate with AI and, and not worry about large, complex sets of systems and processes that need to be um, changed and addressed. I was uh, with the Chief Technology Officer of Etsy uh, the other day and uh, we were talking about Etsy's use of um, AI. So they're using AI and natural language processing specifically to help understand um, what products are available across the 
the, the vast array of merchants that they have, very small merchants, and then to make recommendations or at least um, improve searching for customers. And you could see over time how the merchants are, who are on the Etsy platform can start to take advantage of that capability. The same is true for, for, for Shopify. So Shopify, which is a fantastic Canadian company based there in Ottawa, um, you know, they have tremendous AI capability when it comes to not only making product recommendations for, for the end customers, but also providing insights to their merchants about um, what products are selling and, and how they might um, make changes to their product lines in order to, um, to generate more customer demand. One of the things we've talked about before on the West Block is AI and regulating it. Governments doing enough to mm -hmm. regulate it. Are they involved? Is this best done by each national government or do you need some kind of a larger international agreement? Where do you think we're at in terms of that AI regulation? Are there still big gaps that need to be filled there? Yeah, I mean, I think like any regulation, it evolves over time, right? We, one of the things that I find quite encouraging is I've seen uh, a lot of job postings by regulators who are looking to hire AI experts onto their teams. I find that extremely encouraging because it means they're truly trying to understand um, how does AI work in their domain and how can we most effectively um, work with our members or the, the companies that we regulate in order to make sure that, uh, that we're, we have things under control, we're able to monitor the results. So I think that's really important. There's a lot of uh, collaboration um, between governments. I, I don't think we need or, or are heading towards sort of broad international uh, regimes around this, but there's a lot of collaboration between um, countries talking about how best to regulate and um, at the same time continue to promote economic development and, and not uh, stifle the, the innovation that's happening, um, particularly in this space. Certainly interesting times ahead on this file. Jody Wallace, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Mercedes. That's all the time we have for today. For the West Block, I'm Mercedes Stevenson.